while this movie is centered in Baltimore, this is not a Baltimore film. This is a film about America. This is a film about what a lot of folks in America right now are dealing with. that really caught my eye this is a documentary and it's actually about baltimore but it's going to be one of the film festival selections here that you can check out on thursday 8 p.m at the acx exarben cinema screen six and we'll link to that on the newsletter side but gabriel francis pause good enough is the director and the film is called the body politic and he joins us here today with Erica Bridgeford, who is co-founder of Baltimore Peace Movement. And we're going to talk about the body politic, but welcome to Omapod. Honored to have both of you today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. And Gabriel, you've had a really impressive run of shows you've worked on. I know you're from Baltimore and Homicide, Life on the Streets, incredible show to start out on. What was your early experiences in getting into the television film cinematic world like in baltimore homicide still to this day homicide life on the streets is still one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite things i've ever worked on i don't know if i realized how lucky i was right that was that was at a different time in the world technologically we were shooting film but we shot that entire show on 16 millimeter it was all handheld meaning we never used tripods and it was almost like a French New Wave TV show on NBC. And it was about the city where I'm from, the city I loved, and was filled with a lot of dark humor and Baltimore humor and quirkiness. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing jumping off point into the industry. And that was David Simon, right? So David Simon wrote a book, Homicide, Life on the Streets. But at that point, David Simon wasn't, David Simon, who also is famous now for The Wire, at that point he wasn't doing TV. I think he came in as a writer at some point during that series, but at that point it was a guy named Tom Fontana who was running that show with with support from Barry Levinson. But Tom Fontana is famous for Hill Street Blues and St. Elsewhere, amazing TV, and one of the greats in many ways. So Tom Fontana was doing that show at that point. And it, at some point in the process, I don't know what season it was, David Simon came and joined the writer's room. And I think that's how David Simon got his start in TV yeah. because they, they were making it about that book. And so your background is, as I said, you had the real hands-on. Also Sopranos too, I guess real briefly, what did you make of that experience? Sopranos was, again, a whole stroke of luck. At this time I was a young kid and I was a camera assistant, a camera technician. I was a loader on Sopranos, you know, meaning I took the the film out of the magazines and put it in cans and sent it off and had it developed in the old days. But I got to meet James Gandolfini and Edie Falco and watch some of the greats do what they do. And it it was amazing. It was uh, equally as spellbinding as homicide, just in a different way. And then the other piece of your background that I thought was interesting is you went to USC through that film program. You've got incredible pedigree, was coming back to Baltimore and 
doing a documentary, something that was always on your radar screen, or tell us a bit about the genesis of the body politic and getting back home and using everything you learned in the past to make this film. I moved back to Baltimore after graduating USC almost to the day. I really love the education I got at USC. I studied production there, but USC really gave me a love for this cultural gift of film that is America. I learned so much about the history of this great art form at USC, but my muse and my passion has always been for the city of Baltimore. I wouldn't say I necessarily knew I wanted to make a documentary. Again, I graduated USC in 1995, so that was quite a long time ago. I spent almost two and a half decades working in film before I did this, my first film, but Baltimore and cities like it, working class cities that have had a hard time in the latter half of the 20th century and in the beginning of this century, cities like St. Louis and industrial cities, working class cities have always been my muse. So I wanted to go back to Baltimore, the city that I loved and be inspired by it. Yeah. And Erica, your activism has been a lifetime passion, but really your movement began in 2017. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your passion and what got you into advocacy in Baltimore? So I was born in West Baltimore and watched in the 80s guns and drugs suddenly showed up in our neighborhoods, although I lived in low-income housing. I was raised with both of my parents, most people in my neighborhood, both of their parents were there. I had a great life as a little kid, although we were poor. I didn't realize what poverty was, but suddenly there were things happening specifically in black communities in Baltimore that at the time it seemed like there was something wrong with us. Like, why are we suddenly using drugs and why are people dying and why are people who are going to work every day now on corners high? Right. And what I didn't understand was that something was being intentionally done to Baltimore. My parents raised me, my dad was a Black Panther, and so my parents raised me to, if there's something that you are upset about, then you should do something about it. You're mad because there's something in your heart that's calling to be born. And murder has been one of the things that has impacted my life greatly ever since I was 12 years old is the earliest I saw someone in my neighborhood dying. And then later in my life, I lost friends and my brother and other family members. And just wanting to live in the world the way that I feel about it. Like, I love Baltimore. It's made me everything I am. And I love who I am. And so wanting Baltimore's peace of mind to be nourished Wanting the world's peace and joy to be nourished is just a part of the fiber of my being. And so I'm always called toward justice and healing. And it is really cool because it makes all of my work tied together, not just with 
what started as this Baltimore ceasefire and is now Baltimore Peace Movement. But I'm also a mediator and I train mediators and I work at the Community Mediation Center in Baltimore. So all of my life is about people being able to find their own peace and nourish that with one another. I'm sorry you had to go down the rough path to experience some of that, but I admire that you're turning it around and moving forward. So how did you guys link up and did you know each other before and what led to this meeting of the minds? We did not know each other before. And I'm listening to this conversation and so impressed by Gabriel. I did not know this stuff that I'm learning right now. But Gabriel was already working on the film when we met. I didn't know that it was a thing yet. So one of my friends named Tata, he was a powerhouse in uh, community anti-violence work. And he was killed while doing that work. And he was killed shortly before his birthday. And when his birthday came around in the community, we were having a celebration outside and Gabriel was there and pulled me aside and talked to me about a film he was making about Baltimore's healing and that he wanted to sit down and talk to me about being a part of it. And so that's how we met. And so I got to understand what he was doing and he followed me around for a while, for a few years, I feel like. And that's how we met and it's just been an amazing experience. This is the third documentary that I'm in And it is the one that is literally taking me around the world to talk about what and who Baltimore really is and how much we love ourselves and how much we fight for ourselves. And so I get to experience around the world and around the country, people really wanting Baltimore to win. And so I'm eternally grateful that I met Gabriel and specifically as a part of the miracle that came out of losing one of my friends to violence. And Gabriel, what did you make of first running into Erica and what she was about and getting her into the film? Erica is, it was, it was a really intense and tragic moment that I first met Erica and talked to her there. It was a celebration of life experience for one of the great leaders in the city who was sadly taken from us. And... Erica just has this charisma and magnetism where she takes almost like a sorcerer takes this energy, which is an energy of violence and turns it around on itself and turns it into something positive. So it was an amazing moment for me. It was meeting a leader and not just a Baltimore leader, a world leader in this country have had a 400 year experience with violence. And we've had a really tough time dealing with violence. And Erica, through her own life experience and the life experience of a lot of people that she cares about and loves, has been able to turn that around and turn it into something positive. For me, it was love at first sight. And I feel honored that she's taken this world journey with me post-film. And I'm honored that she's in the film. And I'm honored that she's working to heal our hometown. Right. And why should someone in Omaha care about Baltimore and what's happening there and your movie? 100%. That's a great question. I think our two cities share a lot of similarities. I think we're both really proud working class cities. And we've also, we're both cities that have had a tough time and we're 
both cities that are dealing and struggling with violence. A lot of the things that are talked about in this film, be they violence interrupters or be they problems with interpersonal violence or, or violence in general, are things that sadly Omaha is also dealing with and a lot of cities in America are dealing with. And I think in many ways, it really offers a pathway towards healing that we can all learn from. So I think while people from Omaha might not have been to Baltimore or know a lot about it, I think when they see the film, they'll see a lot of reflections of their own town in this film. Yeah, well said, and I agree. Erica, I know it's almost impossible to sum up something as significant and important as mediation, but I'm curious if you could give a answer to the question, how do you become a mediator and what is the key to being a good mediator? Thank you. So yeah, it is at least a 50 hour training that's, <laughs> that's sure. first off becoming a mediator. A lifetime of training, um, I'm sure. Right. It absolutely is. But really it is about learning and using skills around how to listen when it's difficult. So most of us are socialized that while we're listening to somebody else, we're really thinking about ourselves while they're talking, what we think, how we feel, even if we agree with them, it's all about our experience and we can't wait to then respond with our experience of what the person just said. And being a mediator is all about presentness and sitting with people who have very different perspectives about what's happening in a situation. Oftentimes, in a lot of conflict, highly disagreeing with one another, disliking one another. And the mediator's role is to make that a safe space by making sure that the mediator is not showing any judgment, not saying what I think, what I feel, who I think is right or wrong, understanding that when you do judge, the brain goes into fight, flight, or freeze. So it just makes the person defend their side more. So a mediator is making a safe space by making sure everyone feels heard and understood, by asking questions that really go deeper and work on understanding what people mean even by the nasty things they say to each other really asking what they mean by that what's the, what that is about for them and providing a process where people can once feeling heard and understood and able to see themselves and the other person more clearly then come up for themselves oh now that we understand better what do we want to do about it? Like, how do we make plans? How, what does justice and healing and resolution look like to us? And what's powerful about people making their own decisions is a judge can tell you all day who's right and who's wrong and what you should do. And people every single day go against the judge's ruling because what a judge says, what a system says, is not necessarily realistic for your real life and how you really feel about the situation. So when people get to determine for themselves how to resolve their conflicts, they actually stick to them and it creates more peace in their families, in their relationships, in their communities. And being able to lead the Community Mediation Center in Baltimore and having been involved in that particular work since 2001 has grown me as a person in my own emotional intelligence, teaching conflict management skills to people throughout my life, training mediators and training trainers and all of that. 
I'm a West Baltimore girl, and I don't get mad quickly, but once I'm there, it's hard to bring me down. So I know how much I need these skills, and so it is a joy in my life to be able to teach these skills to other people because we really don't nurture that in our country, how to really resolve things peacefully when we disagree. So it's really the kind of being an honest broker figure. The people don't think you are having a hidden agenda or whatever and just hearing them out. That's right. That's cool. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And so people know the main story of the film is of the mayor, Brandon Scott. Yeah, the story of the film is the, the core of it really is the first year in the life of the mayorship of Brandon Scott, who's the youngest mayor ever to be mayor in the city of Baltimore that gets elected at a, at a pretty traumatic and hectic time in the history of our country, which is after George Floyd is killed and as COVID is just taking over the world, this young guy is elected into office and his task is to try to keep people from hurting each other. And it's really about following him in that first year and seeing what he does. And his goal is doing it in a different way than it's been done. We've had a really hard time how we deal with prison and violence and a lot of things in this country. And Brandon growing up in Baltimore at some of the most difficult time, like similar to what Erica was talking about, is going to try to heal the city in, in a unique way that doesn't leave damage for future generations. Where's Baltimore at now, and what do you feel about the future, and what can other cities learn? The amazing thing is that violence in the city has, has dropped substantially. It's been the greatest drop in almost a decade, and the programs that Brandon is initiating are working, right? And we're definitely on the road. I'm trying not to give too much away. I probably yeah. sort of just did about the end of the film, but <laughs> it works. The reason why often it doesn't work is because politics and long-term violence reduction aren't really good bedfellows, right? Yeah. And there's been a need in this country to have our politicians say, okay, yeah, we'll change everything. We'll get rid of taxes. We'll do all that. There's all these sort of things that politicians often have to say to get into office. And things like this, like these kind of major systemic issues can't be changed in the snap of a finger. They take a long time. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what the film's about. It's about making the hard decision, doing the right thing, even though it could cost you your job. Yeah. Check out The Body Politic at the Omaha Film Festival Thursday, February 29th at 8 p.m. at the ACX Exarben Cinema, Screen 6. We'll link to information on getting a ticket on the newsletter side. Big thanks to director-producer Gabriel Francis Paz Goodenough of The Body Politic and one of the subjects, Erica Bridgeford, who's co-founder of the Baltimore Peace Movement. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.